Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And I'm never going to show All right, that's enough. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, December 31st. is just moments away. But before we get into hour number two, we need to thank the following unions once again for sponsoring this program. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 in District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, sponsor this program, as well as the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. A giant thank you to those unions for jumping on board and sponsoring our program and of course today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by our dear friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two, let's go. It is Tuesday, December 31st and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky show. In this hour of the program, more marijuana talk. I'm going to get a contact high from all this talk. We're talking with Ben's good friend, Milo Samarja. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Lisa Solomon has left the room. Lisa Solomon has left the building, but Milo Samarja is in the building. And uh, he's not only my dear friend, I've known him probably longer than any other person in the city of Chicago. Uh, other than my wife. Uh, I met Milo shortly after I met my wife because he was the guy who lived downstairs from me uh, when I moved to Chicago back in 1981. And I think the last time I smoked a joint was with Milo in 1981. On the front porch. On the front porch. uh, And the great Roger was sitting, we'll talk about that, (laughs) when the great Roger was sitting behind us. Uh, But Milo is also an outstanding writer. We tease him, or I tease him, about being an expert on marijuana. But I urge everybody to read Schoolboy, his novel, uh, and um, he's uh, Wasserman's Garden, another great novel that Milo wrote, so he's an outstanding writer, and he was my partner in crime for many years at the Third City, the funniest blog in the world, uh, so uh, in, in addition to being an expert in all things marijuana, uh, he uh, is a fine writer. Before we get to uh, bring uh, Milo on, D, you got an update for me? Absolutely, I do. We're doing our top 10 Local stories of 2019, the top 10 Chicago and or Illinois stories. It's a little countdown we're doing. Yeah, countdown. No one does that, right, at the end of the year? No, no never, shows do that never at Never heard of that before. No, oh, we're ori- so original. This is super original, guys. <laughs> a wonderful concept. <laughs> I tell you, especially on the slow news days. Yeah, a wonderful concept. So, How did we come up with that? I don't know. But we've been doing our top ten. Uh, we have reached number seven. So to do a quick recap here, number ten was the Fair Tax Initiative getting on the ballot in 2020. <coughs> number nine, that damn alligator in the Humboldt Park Lagoon. And number eight, Confederate Railroad yeah. Gate. And it's time for number seven. The top ten Chicago <laughs> and or Illinois stories countdown continues. <laughs> number seven. Our number seven story. 
Ben has no idea what it is. I have no idea. Here it is. Okay. We've taken a position so oh, far, God. and the candidates have, through the process, a few have not, about on basically Medicare for all, which is we're going to eliminate 150 million people's health care, and we're going to provide health care for people that just come over the border. That is an untenable position for the general election. Number seven, it's the post-Chicago <laughs> mayoral life of Rahm Emanuel. Yes, Mayor Rahm, leaving in general could be its own top story. <laughs> But we sure did have a lot of fun on this program discussing his next endeavor. And no, we're not talking about his stupid bicycle adventures, no. (laughs) ABC hired the former Chicago mayor as a political pundit. From chatting alongside and fist bumping with former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie on ABC this week, to even sharing his wisdom for all of us at ABC's 2020 Democratic presidential candidate debates. You know, I think progressives are really where the energy is right now. And I think if you can expand the electorate, which is what we saw in 08, bringing out new voters, particularly brown and black voters, young voters, energize the base where you don't have to change your message much, right? Just go out and get those voters excited. We can win. But hold on, Ron. I saw you shaking your head real quick. What's the rebuttal here? Well, first of all, Donald Trump is going to do a great job turning out our vote. And in 08, as well as in 92, 96, and in 12, is because both Bill Clinton and Barack Obama brought other people, not just people in the party, other people to the party. It's our seventh oh top God. Chicago and or Illinois story of 2019. It's Rom the Pundit. Yeah, I remember this. Oh, my goodness. That was an excerpt of Rom. And who is he debating? I can't remember uh, who the woman was that he was debating. I agree with the woman uh, 100%. And I completely disagree. Big shock there with Rahm Emanuel. Uh, there's connection to the larger discussion of marijuana that we're having today. Rahm Emanuel, the worldview of Rahm Emanuel, uh, as it applies to democratic politics, has been the prevailing view of the mainstream of the Democratic Party really since uh, the 1972 George McGovern campaign. And that is, uh, we are going to move to the right. That's the way to win an election in this country. You go to the right. And so that means Democrats consistently follow Republicans. As Republicans move further to the right, Democrats move further to the right. The center moves further to the right. And things that values that Democrats supposedly stand for get thrown out the window. So I see this all the time, Milo. I've seen this my entire adult life. I've seen Democrats walk away from issues that they should believe in. Health care for all. Just a universal concept. Milo and I talk about this all the time because we'll talk about this later. He served in Vietnam and as a result uh, he gets great health care through the VA. All right, Great health care for the VA. I've got no complaints about the VA. Yeah. So Milo, please explain to me why in the world you have to put your life in limbo. You have to like be threatened with ex- your existence to be wiped out before you get some kind of good health care. What, well, a, what a bargain they're striking with us. Well, we weren't, we weren't fortunate enough to be born in Norway or Sweden or, or some other uh, 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 civilized country. We live in the United States. Yeah. So, And in the United States, there is not universal health care. And this, uh, the ROMs of the Democratic Party have been arguing f- for the last 30 years, no. Don't push health care. It's too controversial. It's too socialist. It doesn't poll well with swing voters in suburban Virginia. It doesn't poll well with swing voters outside of Milwaukee. We're going to lose the swing states. And uh, so the Democratic Party moves to the right following the Republican Party. So now here we are in uh, 20. 
2020. We're heading right into the 2020 election against Donald Trump, and we have two essential strategies that the Democrats have to decide whether they're going to follow. They're going to go with Bernie, who advocates, like, Health care for all, college education for all, just like these basic New Deal programs uh, that are like straight out of the FDR playbook. Or are we going to go to the Clinton playbook, uh, the Rahm Emanuel playbook? No, no, no. We don't want to go too far. We don't want to be too radical. You know, like, so we'll have health care. I never understood this, Milo. Like Clinton and Rahm came up with health care for kids, but not their parents. What, parents don't get sick? It's not going to be bad to the kid if the parent can't work? If the parent can't? Made no freaking sense. But I'm sure they did some kind of, you know, poll of swing voters in suburban Virginia, a focus group. That's what they do. They do focus groups, and they go, oh, this is the winning strategy. Uh, and God forbid they encourage the base to vote. That's something they're very scared of. They don't want the base to vote because could you imagine? And when Rom got elected mayor of the city of Chicago, only about 65%, excuse me, only about 35% of the people voted. Could you imagine if the other 65% vote? He wouldn't have gotten elected in the first place. So that's... <laughs> You're bringing back all those memories by playing <laughs> well, that That's one. the point. It's a countdown to remember <laughs> oh, the year. Oh, my God. I remember Rom the Pundit, man. That's number seven, Rom the Pundit. Coming up before we get out of here, we are going to do... Wait, Milo wants to say something. Yes. I was just gonna. I was gonna just say, mention the dentist and quit pissing Ben off. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Coming up before we get out of here, we are gonna do number six. Oh yeah, and then after that, we're gonna do five through one as a Benny J bonus, and you can download it at both Chicago Sun Times, Chicago Reader websites, or wherever else you download your favorite podcast. But before we get out of here, number six on our top 10 Chicago and or Illinois stories of 2019. All right, very good. All right, Milo Samarja, uh, welcome back, Cotter. You were on the old show I had before I got fired, and uh, now you're here. So welcome back, Milo. I expect you to get fired again pretty soon, too. Yeah, I got my bags packed oh over there. It's always in the corner. Uh, you never know. You uh, never know. You never know. Uh, <laughs> Pulling no punches. This is very disappointing. I I, I was told that there was going to be like a marijuana (laughs) blowout here. I I stopped at Jewel, got a bunch of Doritos. I know. uh, Our last guest took everything with her. She had all that stuff. Did you take that joint you left? You brought it? And and all we're going to do is talk about it. (laughs) Well, I I think there's sprinklers here, Milo. I told you. See, that's a sprinkler there. If you light up a joint. That's a different type of smoke. Yeah. Then Uh, Ben will get fired. (laughs) Guarantee. You want to see me get fired? Light up a joint. All right, Milo Samarja, uh, you're a writer. As I said, schoolboy, I urge everybody to check it out. Uh, you could still purchase it on uh, Amazon uh, and Wasserman Garden. Two, two completely different books. If, before we talk about Reefer, let's just talk about how completely different these books are. Uh, schoolboy is a coming of age story. Uh, and uh, about, about a young gambler. Talk about this. Go ahead. Oh, it's just a coming of age story about a young gambler and, and uh, how. And the twists and turns that life has in store for him. Yeah. Uh, Milo, in addition to being uh, a consumer of marijuana over the years, is a hell of a gambler. Great poker player. I'm getting all his secrets out there in the open. Uh, I may be the worst poker player ever. Many, 
When my friends have a game, they they they're, they send a cab for me. Yeah, it sounds like something a poker player would say. Uh, I know, I know. Yeah. No, he used to, when I, okay. When I first when uh, I moved into, I, Milo was in the apartment before me, the downstairs one. I moved in after Milo, but there was this thing that you used to get involved with back in the day called the. I think you called it the World Series of Poker, didn't you? Mm. Did, or you had some kind of name for it? Like it would be these blowout poker games, and I would see. So it would be a Saturday night. I'd see a Saturday. Well, you going to the poker game? Yeah, I'm going to go. There was like a math professor there and uh, a couple of lawyers who I probably wouldn't want to hire for anything. Uh, Benny, you don't want to play poker with lawyers because I remember uh, sometimes sitting at a table with three or four lawyers and every time there'd be a, a question about the game, everyone had to have their say. They had brought up precedent. They listed previous games that played in, 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 in bathrooms in Milwaukee yeah. 40 years ago. So uh, I, I would uh, uh, suggest not playing. No, don't play with lawyers. Don't, don't play about, with lawyers. Or math professors. <laughs> yeah. uh, and Washerman Gardens is a uh, parable. It, yeah, it's an allegory about the uh, Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about that a little bit, uh, Milo. Uh, you, you're, you're born and raised. Uh, no, you weren't born. You were raised in Gary, Yeah, Indiana, I was raised right? in Gary, Indiana. I moved there from Milwaukee when I was about five years old. Okay. All right, so, um, and then you uh, were sent uh, to Vietnam. Well, you know, uh, the, since uh, ostensibly I'm here to talk about weed, mm -hmm. I want to uh, get a little, just a bit of a, a history. I smoked my first joint uh, uh, in, in Sandy Bordeaux's basement in 1967. Mm. And a year later, I got drafted and, uh, and, and sent to... You know, after training and everything, I got sent to Vietnam. So, uh, where I uh, I got to uh, uh, sample uh, much finer strains of weed <laughs> yeah, yeah. that were available in Gary at the time. All right, let's talk about that. 1967. Uh, you were just out of high school, or still in high I school? Was, I believe I was a senior in high senior school. Senior, I graduated school. in '67. All right. So think about this. So how was it advertised? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, what did they say to entice you? Uh, to get you to smoke that first joint. Well, you know, '67 uh, was was an, uh, kind of an idea. You know, '66 is when uh, the the culture kind of exploded and, and hippies became uh, a part of the of the landscape. Mm -hmm. And uh, marijuana, you know, we we were the boys and Gary uh, were used to marijuana. There there was uh, you know, the city ran three shifts. It was all factory work. So guys. Uh, uh, used to uh, take all kind of drugs, just stay awake and things like that. And that's why, for one reason, I thought Gary was the greatest town in the world. <laughs> at any time of the day or night, yeah. you could get a, you could get a, a, a breakfast, a drink, uh, uh, you could get laid if you wanted. Yeah. Sometimes all three at oh, once. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, <clears throat> my my. Uh, but uh, when when. Uh, the the uh, hippie thing happened, you know, the, the summer of love and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the word got out, and you know, suddenly there was a little reefer around town. Mm -hmm. So you know, we we tried it, and thank God the, for the Serrano brothers who provided most of it. <laughs> the, Serrano, <laughs> the Serrano brothers, uh, uh, immortal Gary residents. Now, Milo, uh, these are basically working class kids. Oh yeah, yeah, steel all, mill all kids. steel mill kids. Yes, your dad worked in a steel mill. He, oh, he worked in an auto plant, but the, you know. It was it was about a mile away from the steel mill. So uh, the Serrano brothers were kids you went to high school with. Yes, 
Cisco Serrano and his brother Sammy. Sammy Serrano. And uh, so what did they what did they go? Hey, Milo, uh, got oh, no, a son, yeah, for you. I don't remember the exact <laughs> yeah. circumstance, but the the you know I think uh, my friend Sandy, uh, who passed away a few years ago. Uh, he was good friends with the Serrano brothers, and they provided, hey, so you want to try this? And of course, you know, I said yes. And, and do you remember it? Do you remember the, mo- the experience? No, I remember just being in the basement and, and, and smoking and getting a little silly, and that, that's all I remember. It was so long ago. That, so. This would have been before the Nixon administration started cracking down on, on marijuana. before the Nixon administration. Yes. Right, okay. So what would you say the, I don't mean to cut in on the interview, no, go ahead. but what, what would you say was the contrast between pre and post Nixon administration more on drugs like what was the feeling did that change your interaction with weed at all or uh, no not at all because, okay. because like I said I, when I smoked my first joint in 67 and then a year later I was drafted in the army mm-hmm. so I spent uh, two years in the military and uh, 14 months of that was overseas and uh, in, uh, in Southeast Asia the, the getting hold of marijuana was not a problem it was mm-hmm. everywhere and you know, in most places, we used to go to uh, in Vietnam. We'd get it from Buddhist monks. They'd have bushel baskets of it. You want, you give them five dollars, and they grab a handful and just give it to. You. And uh, everybody was smoking pretty much over there. Well, uh, the, I mean, I don't know if everybody's smoking, but but uh, as we all do, we surround ourselves with like-minded people. So my my crowd was smoking, but I don't. You know, there were some guys that were. Uh, into alcohol and there was heroin addicts and all, all sorts of uh, all sorts of fun things <laughs> and uh, the obvious point it helped get you through that experience the, you needed some escape from the reality of it and uh, sometimes getting a hold of hard liquor was, was uh, difficult we always had uh, uh, access to warm beer mm-hmm. but uh, uh, marijuana was usually the uh, drug of choice for most people. Milo, I don't think I've ever asked you this question. Maybe I have, but I don't remember the answer because I was high at the time. But, uh, sorry, I just <laughs> love that joke so much. Uh, literally, the last time I smoked was with Milo on his front porch. Uh, Roger, our, our Milo's dear friend from way back in, and Gary was sitting behind us. And uh, that's the first time I heard the word fiduciary. It's one of my great moments <laughs> in my life. We were talking about the Cubs. Mm-hmm. And Milo, lifelong Cub fan, but he announced uh, at this moment that he was through with the Cubs. Milo, remember this? Because the new owners, God, it was the Tribune had just purchased them. And they, they, they fired they Ernie fired Banks. Ernie Banks. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that? Yeah, Ernie Banks. He, dude, kids don't know. He was Mr. Oh, Cub. Oh, Banks. you know Ernie Banks? Oh, okay. come on. They've got a statue. Yeah, yeah they've got yeah. a statue. Come on. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, they fired him because what? They were too cheap to. They're just too cheap. Uh, look, you know the the Boston Red Sox uh, used to pay Ted Williams a few grand to go down to spring training, you know, walk around, talk to the young guys, shake yeah. a few hands, sign some autographs. Yeah, I don't get that about Chicago teams. But I feel they, like they're so cheap. They're yeah, so they wouldn't do that for Ernie money. Banks. Yeah, they yeah. cut Ernie Banks from the payroll, uh, and so Milo announced that um, <laughs> it's still this memory. So Milo and I were sitting on the front porch. It's me, Milo, and Roger. And Milo and I are sitting at the front stoop. And Roger's behind us in the shadows. And uh, I kind of forgot that he was even there. And uh, this joint is going around. And Milo goes, that's it. 
I'm through with the Cubs. They fired Mr. Cub. They fired Mr. Cub because they wouldn't pay him the money. And that was, you were using George Steinbrenner. George Steinbrenner with the Yankees. He still has Mickey Mantle coming around, Whitey Ford coming around. That's it. I'm through with the Cubs. They're too cheap to pay Mr. Cub. And from the back comes the voice of Roger. And he goes, well, I think they have a fiduciary responsibility. Oh, I'm like, I'm Milo and I like fiduciary. I'm like, what does that mean? Benny, we should have beaten them up. Right <laughs> we, we just let them get away with it. Well, we did. We let them get anyway. That was the last time. That was it. I was off. <laughs> when Roger knew a word I didn't know. I was embarrassed. Uh, so, Milo, what do you? What, what's well, your theory about why the resistance to marijuana all these years? Uh, uh, well, a lot of it is racial. Uh, in the in the uh, southwest, it was associated mainly with uh, Mexican population, mm-hmm. and in in the uh, American South, it was mainly associated with the black population, yep. jazz musicians, other you know other shady types. But uh, uh, I was going to uh, give a little bit more background on my use. Go ahead. Uh, I came back from Vietnam. I was a pothead maybe through through all of my. 20s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I smoked basically every day. and uh, But I got married late in life, 31, mm-hmm. and then I had a couple of children, and I sort of, I've, I quit. I gave it up. And I'm, for a space of about 10, 15 years, I would smoke maybe one joint a year. It, it, you know, maybe with some friends having a few drinks or mm-hmm. something. And uh, then about... Uh, Two or three years ago, I was at, at the veterans' hospital. I was complaining about uh, lack of sleep and just some issues left over from my, my, my service in the army. And uh, veterans said, "Try one of these." I said, "Well, I know what that is." <laughs> and he says, "No, no, this this stuff, this stuff will help you sleep because I was having trouble sleeping." And I said, "Where'd you get this?" He said, "Well, I, I got a medical marijuana card." And I said, "Well, okay." Well, I took the I took the uh, the, the gifted joint home, uh, uh, smoked most of it, slept like a baby. I, w- I was just so happy to be you know to, to to go to bed and not wake up until eight hours later, seven hours later, and uh, so I decided to get a mer- medical marijuana card, and I got it about I think it was about two years ago, mm-hmm. and. Uh, now I've become a pothead. <laughs> I mean, after you know, like, like circle, of life. Uh, yeah, like, circle of life, circle of life, circle of life. Fifteen, twenty yeah. years without smoking it, and now you know, in, in my old age, I'm becoming a a, a damn pothead. Yeah, and uh, so what? It uh, you've dif- discovered medicinal. Well, for me, I've got some, some aches and pains, and uh, some some trouble sleeping and things like mm-hmm. that. Just some issues. Uh, associated with age, probably as much as anything else, yeah. but uh, it helps. Now, Milo, did you realize the medicinal benefits of marijuana back in the seventies and the eighties, and when you were smoking it, uh, uh, or just no? The only benefit that, that I noticed was that it made me re- feel really good. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, now when you go to the uh, the marijuana dispensaries, you know they've 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 uh, uh, refined the stuff so so much mm-hmm. that they've got stuff to help you sleep to for your appetite 
for stimulation, for, you know, there's a, a dozen different categories yeah. they can provide some weed for. Yeah. We were talking about that earlier that my wife and I went up to Washington State, visited a dispensary, and it was like you were at a walk-in pharmacy. Yeah. Like they give you all different types of options. Yeah. It's an incredible yeah. world. Yeah. Uh, Milo uh, and I, for years, uh, ran the Third City uh, blog, and uh, on a regular basis, pretty much every day, uh, we would uh, get on the phone together and we would come up with an advertisement of the day. Uh, and this is kind of the twisted mind of Milo. Uh, one of the ads was for Nickelbag Bernie. <laughs> I have since you, it was Milo's creation. I got to give the man credit. He came up with Nickelbag Bernie, uh, the dealer, and he would the ad would be you know Nickelbag would be at some parking lot, and we would come up with the like the Dunkin' Donuts on Ashland or whatever. Right, right, and we would right. just make up <laughs> little sites. And we had a partner for a while. I was worried. Remember. <laughs> <laughs> We make up some. He's now appearing at a Dunkin' Donuts on Western, and the guy we go. You know, maybe. So so I think the line was uh, uh, Nickelback Bernie now working out of the parking lot at the Dunkin' Donuts on Western. Yeah, and so uh, our our partner was afraid. Yeah, was afraid that. uh, Dunkin' Donuts was going to sue us. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I thought that it would no. be great to get sued by anybody. Yeah, was, but, but on the other hand, they may build up business. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Nickelbag Bernie. Uh, and that conjures up. We're going to get into this. You got an essay I'd really want uh, people to hear you read. But before we do that, the notion of a weed dealer. Uh, you've probably been dealing with weed dealers. Well, you're most... Like you said, going back to the 60s yeah, yeah. Uh, in Gary, uh, throughout the 70s in the city of Chicago. Uh, talk a little bit about weed dealers as just a type, Milo, as opposed to now dispensaries. You've, you've uh, purchased from both. Can I read a couple, couple paragraphs? Yes. Uh, <clears throat> this is a, a blog I wrote for the Third City about uh, eight years ago, I think, or so. But here's just a few paragraphs I'm going to read. Uh, It does my heart good to know that there are some places in this nation where a guy can smoke a little weed without worrying about getting his ass tossed in jail. But there's one thing that bothers me about buying marijuana legally. It's the mechanics of actually purchasing it. According to some reports I've read, there are not enough marijuana outlets in Colorado. In Denver, people have to wait in lines, sometimes for more than an hour, just to get their hands on some reefer. I don't like the idea of standing in line for an hour waiting for, waiting to buy some weed from a clerk working in a store that probably has a name like Mr. Giggles. <laughs> I'd rather get my marijuana the old-fashioned way from my neighborhood dealer. Uh, in the late 70s and early 80s, my connection was a guy named Gary who lived on Sheffield near Wrigley Field. Whenever I'd get down to Seeds and Stems, I'd stop by Gary's place. Hanging out at Gary's was a pleasant way to waste a couple of hours. There was always good music on the stereo, stimulating conversation, plenty of herb to sample. He enjoyed having people over, was a good host, generous with food and drink. I also met quite a few interesting people and made some lasting friendships while sharing joints in Gary's living room. When I left Gary's place, I usually had a smile on my face. And that, my friends, is the way a civilized person, a real gent, buys his weed. When I was a pothead, I did things the right way. I shopped locally, patronized a small business, and kept my money in the neighborhood. Yes, very true. I think about that. Uh, Shop locally, keeping the money in the neighborhood, taking care of Gary. I think I knew Gary. Uh, I'm sure you met him a few times. I think I met him at your house. Uh, Every once in a while, he'd make a delivery. uh, So, yeah. Do you think something's lost? Uh, Not really. I mean, the... the, uh, 
the the odds are that when when uh, it's in, when the sale of marijuana is institutionalized, the product will be better. Uh, there won't be uh, shortfalls. You won't have to worry about going to uh, uh, going to your dealer and saying, "Hey, this isn't the same stuff I got last time." Mm-hmm. You know that type of thing. So I, I think in the long run, it's just better to have it institutionalized. I suppose it's better. Uh, although I do kind of. Uh I love the concept of nickel bag birdie. There will always be nickel bag birdies among us. Molly, you mentioned Well, that- you know, Benny, I, I was leaving the dispensary. I go. I use the dispensary on uh, Clark Street just north of uh, Grace. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was walking uh, out of there, and there was like a 14, 15-year-old kid stopped me. He was waiting outside the door, and he said, Mr., Mr. And he had a... He had a, a a fistful of you know fives and tens and twenties. And he said, "Mister, can you go and get get something for me?" And I said, "Oh no, I can't do that. I'm sorry." And then I got kind of angry. I said, "You know, you, how old are you?" And he said, "He said, you know, he didn't say. He just stared at me." And I said, "You know, when I was your age, I, I knew two or three places I could buy." <laughs> I said, these, the kids these days have have no have no ambition. They have, <laughs> Uh, no drive, man. No, no. <laughs> yeah. no innovation. On the other no hand, uh, I, I gotta give the kid credit. Like, it's like the old days, you stand outside a liquor store when you're 50. Hey, could you? Uh, same concept. Uh, same concept. Uh, only... That's so awkward. Whatever happened to networking? You got a network. Yeah, <laughs> network. <laughs> Kids today. Yeah. Miley, you're talking about smoking reefer back uh, in Vietnam when you were in Vietnam. Uh, was did. Uh, Black and white GIs share the joints, or was that segregated as well? Uh, no, you know, I was in the infantry, and uh, we, when we were out in the field on patrols and things, uh, uh, there was a sense of brotherhood that you didn't find back in the rear areas. In the rear area, there, there were even race riots in, in Vietnam, but out in the field, uh, we shared everything. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, uh, also, out in the field, we didn't get stoned that that often mm. because you know that was kind of a, a tricky situation. <laughs> yeah. But the the one thing I did I do remember is that, uh, and this is this goes to one of our favorite musicians, uh, Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. He uh, when uh, people in Vietnam, all music played a big part in everybody's lives, and. Uh, you know, the, some of the uh, white guys would listen to country music. The Latino guys would listen to, you know, mariachi. Black guys would listen to uh, Motown, basically. But uh, when, whenever uh, the black and the white and the, and the Latino people got together to party, it was always Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, no, I'm with you. Jimi Hendrix <laughs> was the man. Yeah. And uh, uh, Milo wrote a tribute to Jimi Hendrix that we used to play... Uh, we used to run on the 4th of July or thereabouts because it was the ultimate patriotic tribute to the great Jimi Hendrix. Uh, I believe is James Marshall Hendrix. James Marshall Hendrix. Uh, formerly, uh, formerly of the 101st Airborne. Yes. But they asked him to leave. Did you know that, Mike? Well, you know, some people <laughs> oh, are just wow. aren't, some people yeah. just aren't aren't, aren't uh, ready for the military. Yeah, they, is that I, a dishonorable discharge. No, no, I don't no, think. Oh, 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 oh. I never heard of this before. They they just they, asked him to leave. No, the, uh, <laughs> they, there there are several types of discharge, discharges in the military. Yeah, uh, there's an honorable, dishonorable, general, and uh, Jimmy mm. Jimmy got. Uh, uh, I think, believe he got a general discharge. I'm do, I'm not sure about yeah. it, but I believe. 
uh, because uh, a dishonorable, you have to do something, some mm-hmm. some serious yeah, yes. misconduct. Yeah. Jimmy just wasn't uh, a good soldier. And uh, I have a, a good friend in uh, California. His son uh, uh, wanted all his life wanted to be a soldier, and he he jo- he joined the military. His father. Uh, went down with him to see him off and everything. The kid was back in two weeks, and, uh-huh. and uh, the, the army kicked him out. He just wasn't fit, wasn't mm. the right type of person to be in the military. Yeah. And I think that's the same with Jimi Hendrix. Uh, yeah, they. I think I read somewhere, Milo, that uh, his superior, one of the superiors, said all he wants to do is play the guitar. Uh, <laughs> you know, which no, yeah, hey, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> Milo, what did they call you? Mentioned that people on the front lines and the people uh, in the rear. What they call uh, rems? Rems, yeah. What that stand for? Uh, rear echelon, motherfucker. Yeah, I, I, I always <laughs> like. <laughs> uh, you could swear on a podcast, Milo. All right, we're gonna t- uh, take a break. We come back. We're gonna close down the show with a trivia contest. Uh, we're gonna pit Joshua. We're gonna have a millennial versus a baby boomer. Uh, Milo versus Joshua, and uh, I, you know, I'm gonna drag Dennis into this as well. Th- this is something that I saw in the New York Times. I said, "Oh, this is perfect for my show, Milo." It ran on Sunday, and uh, what the rally. Play playlists say about the candidates. So there's all these Democratic mm-hmm. candidates running for president of the United States, and before they go on stage uh, at a at a campaign event, uh, they music comes over the loudspeakers. So you got Joseph Biden, Joey B, Elizabeth Warren, uh, Pete Buttigieg, uh, Dennis's favorite candidate. Uh, and <laughs> I was getting ready to say that's your favorite candidate. <laughs> He's not very popular in this show, Milo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cory Booker, Bernie Sanders, uh, Julian you know, Castro. Benny, I still miss Comrade Hall. Yeah, uh, uh, Gary Gus boy. Hall, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, Gus Hall. Uh, anyway, I think uh, he was running as a communist <laughs> in 1972. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so we we'll, uh, well. The only one I could tell you that I did really well with, uh, big surprise here, was Joe Biden's playlist, which is all baby boomer music. Uh, but the other ones kind of left me uh, lost. So we're going to bring on, we're going to close down with a trivia contest, and the winner will get a blue Mustang. We're going to have the blue Mustang delivered to uh, oh his house. Uh, we'll be right back after this. We're not giving anything away. <laughs> the Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu masters. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Mr. Jarofsky Show. Mr. Jarofsky Show. Mr. Jarofsky. <laughs> For the final time this year, I've been getting high with Milo. 
<laughs> Guilty. You know, this show is going to ruin my reputation. You know yeah. Mine, too. Take us home. Uh, by the way, Milo Samarja in the studio, not only yeah. outstanding writer, I urge everybody to check out Schoolboy uh, and Wasserman Garden, two completely different books. The man has a lot of versatility. Uh, not only is he an excellent blogger, very funny, it's always something witty and funny to say. Not only does he know a lot about Reefer, but as you could tell, the man plays a mean piano. That's Milo on the keyboard there, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, wow. Good God, is he good. You didn't say anything about my tap dance. Oh, yeah, he's a great tap dancer, too. <laughs> oh, we, uh, we didn't tell you about our special bonus interview, woo. tap dance bonus. <laughs> yeah, tap dancing with Milo. Uh, anyway, uh, be, uh, before we close down the show with the great trivia contest, D, you got an update? One last update Absolutely, of 2019. I do. Absolutely. We're doing our top 10 Chicago and or Illinois stories of 2019. We're going to do our number six story here in moments but i want to remind everybody that uh five through number one it's going to be available as a benny j bonus mm. interview we'll try and post it tonight about seven or eight o'clock tonight uh for everybody to listen to so uh, make sure you download that at both chicago sun times and chicago reader websites or wherever else you download your favorite podcasts uh we'll recap our uh the ones that we've went through so far like i said we've made it to number six but in at number 10 was governor pritzker's fair tax initiative getting on the 2020 ballot number nine was that damn alligator in the humboldt park lagoon number eight confederate railroad gate number seven rom emmanuel the abc pundit so yes people it doesn't really take a mathematician to know what's next coming up next That's right. It's so hard to be here in silence with that music. <laughs> it's number six. And the number six story. Yeah. Well, I don't have any audio for it, but Ben Jarofsky, our host, as soon as I mention okay. what number six is, uh-huh. I know it's going to come right out of your mouth. Oh, D, man. <laughs> don't get me started. Yeah. Because number six is the Lincoln Yards development deal. Ooh. Don't get me started. Well, the Lincoln Yards development deal was passed in April through the city council. Ben, take it from there. All right. I'm going to focus. Okay, Milo, I'm just going to focus. I talked about earlier how we just passed a budget on a federal level, $768 billion for defense. Basically, a blank check was given to Donald John Trump to spend as ever at any way he wants with your federal tax dollars. At the same time, some of the biggest corporations, some of the wealthiest corporations were given a tax break by Donald John Trump and the Republicans in the Senate, which uh, reduced their tax liability in some cases to zero. So somebody people are paying the taxes that are going to a blank check for the military. And yet, we don't have money in the city of Chicago, Milo, for teachers. We don't have money for nurses in our public schools. We don't have money for pensions for police officers and firefighters. Somehow or other, we have 700, I can't remember if it's 38 or 68 billion, 736. What difference does it make ultimately? You know, It's a few billion. It's a few billion here and there for one year, Milo. That's it. One year of defense spending. So... On a local level, take that to the local level, 
we had $1.3 billion to underwrite the cost of an upscale development in an already gentrifying area where even I, Milo, could make a good living developing property. Even I, even you, Milo, you, me, and Roger, smoking reefer on the front porch, <laughs> could make money at Lincoln Yards, okay? So I just could not help myself. All year long, Milo, I was railing and ranting about this. How a city that calls itself a civilized city could claim we don't have enough money to pay pensions for our retired firefighters who put their life on the line every freaking time they run into a burning building, to our retired police officers who put their lives on the line patrolling the streets of Chicago, to retired teachers who like teach us stuff, nurses, etc. We don't have enough money for pensions, Milo, but we got $1.3 billion just to give to some rich developer to develop land that you and I could develop, Milo, and make money while high and I'm just like it just it's property tax dollars that come right out of your property tax folks Milo maybe I should go back to smoking marijuana because the world <laughs> makes no freaking sense and the older I get the less sense it makes we claim we're broke when it comes to teachers and nurses and schools but we have 736 billion dollars <laughs> For the military, I don't even know what they're spending the money on, Milo. Mm. I don't think they do. And $1.3 billion for Lincoln Yards. So I kind of tied Lincoln Yards to the uh, to the military expenditure. So There's probably a lot of people in the military that would agree with that, that there's excessive spending. I, listen, man, I, one of the things I saw Trump say, he gave a raise uh, to soldiers. Get, well, you know, he's just paying them back for the money he stole from them when they were the, from that veterans thing. So, you know, it's from, just yes, yes. breaking mm -hmm. you. That is correct. That's when uh, Donald John Trump and in his infinite wisdom said, hey, I know what to do. I'm going to raise money and use it to help vets. And he, I'm gonna, it's a charity. People donated their money, and he end, ended up using on for political reasons. He bought a portrait of himself. He got caught. Now in New York, he's not allowed to. <laughs> this is your president, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. This is the man you elected president. Uh, they, they said, you can't run a charity anymore, but it's okay. You can't run a charity, but you can run the United States of America. Wait, weren't we talking about Lincoln Yards? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it all comes together, man. I'm telling you, once he gets going, who knows where the hell it ends up. With a 30 one of the worst deals. That is a terrible deal. Then he's got a plan. <laughs> Just, uh... There's a plan. It all comes together. With a 31 to 14 vote, the yeah. Chicago City Council approved the tax increment financing, a.k.a. TIF. Ben, please. Just let me finish this. That'll <laughs> TIF plan that allows Sterling Bay $6 billion uh, mixed-use development to move forward, but not before requiring the, de the developer to make additional concessions. Lincoln Yard stands to gain $900 million from its TIF subsidy, according to the Chicago Sun-Times. It's our sixth top story of 2019, the Lincoln Yard's development deal. So we have five more top stories to go, but we're going to continue our conversation and have a little quiz mm -hmm. here with Milo and Joshua. So we're going to have our top five available for download. Go subscribe to The Ben Jarofsky Show. Go find it. Go hit play. Listen to it. Five through one, the top Illinois stories of 2019. Go download it. All right, very good. Before we uh, give the quiz, which I'm still trying to figure out how I'm going to do the quiz, Joshua, why don't you uh, tell folks uh, about your podcast, uh, how they can follow you, and uh, all that good stuff. Yeah, thanks. Well, thanks for having me on. It's been a lot of fun these past couple hours. Uh, my name is Joshua Smizer de Leon. 
born and raised in Chicago, specifically the Humble Park neighborhood. Uh, seen a lot of changes in that neighborhood. Uh, seen a lot of changes on La Isla, on the island in Puerto Rico. So this past August, I decided to launch a new project. Uh, it's in collaboration with the Puerto Rican Cultural Center on a strip of land in Humble Park. It's, it's in between both uh, giant steel Puerto Rican flags. It's called Paseo Boricua. Uh, it's Division Street Western area. Got a studio in there. We call it the Paseo Podcast. And the ultimate mission is just to highlight stories by, from, and about the Puerto Rican community. So that might be people here in the diaspora, that might be people on the island, it might be something that's a bit lighter, like talking about Puerto Rican cuisine or Puerto Rican comic book characters and representation, or we might talk about divestment. Our last episode, we just had the Harvard and Yale students on to talk about that big football game protest they have. In Chicago, we have uh, we fluctuate between the third and fourth largest Puerto Rican population in the country, in the United States. In fact, the number of Puerto Ricans in the United States outnumbers that uh, we double the size of the number of Puerto Ricans on the island. So how is what's happening in Chicago, uh, especially in Paseo Boricua, an ever-gentrifying neighborhood, how is what we have done since the 70s, um, ser- how can that serve as a model for other cultural communities? So with from my perspective, you got about 23% of people that are on they're listening to podcasts. That's the same amount of people that are on Twitter. So let's get some more representation out there. Let's highlight different things that are specific to certain cultures. Let's create those niche audiences and promote the good things that are happening in our backyards. And how it's? Did you say it's a weekly podcast? It's a weekly podcast. I don't know how I'm surviving at this point. <laughs> uh, I work at DePaul University. I teach there. I'm actually finishing up my master's. I'll be done this June, and I'm doing this weekly thing. It's a labor of love, but. Um, it's it's very life giving. That's, that's the best yeah. kind of labors. Yes, yes, yes. amen. Uh, and let's give a shout out uh, to your colleague Ivan, who's probably listening. Ivan, yeah. Yeah. from uh, San Lorenzo, and, and and from the same hometown. Give us the website, the information, you where can people find it. People you listening it. right now, take notes. All right, so here's the notes for y'all. So paseomedia.org, visit there. All the episodes are up there. It's Spell a very it. simple website. Once I get some more funds, we're gonna blow it all out. Spell um, that website. P-A-S-E-O media.org. Again, that's P-A-S-E-O media.org. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook at Paseo Podcast, P-A-S-E-O Podcast, P-A-S-E-O Podcast. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at J-S DeLeon, and DeLeon is spelled D-E-L-E-O-N. D-E-L-E-O-N. That's correct. All right. Very good. Robert Thank you, Mueller Robert Mueller. With you. I don't know what happened to my Mueller report. Yeah. The Mueller <laughs> it's, report. It's over here yeah. under my table. Oh, I, need yeah. you, I need you focused, all right? <laughs> Milo, I have the Mueller report. and he I'll grab it. it. I'll grab right. it. I mean, just show Milo the Mueller. He doesn't believe I actually have a copy of the Mueller. There, there you go. All right? That's impressive. <laughs> I've never actually seen a hard copy of that. Right? Yeah. So let's see where the bookmark is. Page two. Oh, wow. That's all you've, that's all you've read? I'm, I'm, I'm appalled, but I'm not surprised. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do enjoy the Mueller report. It's good reading. All right. Uh, so I saw this in the New York Times, and I just said, oh, i got to bring this on the show. I'm going to keep this around and have fun with this uh, for the next week or so. Uh, so, as I said, uh, all the Democratic candidates for president, when they do a rally, they have a playlist, and the music plays to fire up their listeners. And the playlist says something about both the presidential candidates 
their generation, their preference of music, and who they think will fire up whoever is in the audience. I was looking at this list, and Milo uh, and Joshua and Dennis, and I have to say I was a little embarrassed. Um, I knew almost none of the songs of anyone under the age of 70. Uh, Joe Biden's list, I was really good with Joe Biden's list. Elizabeth Warren, she's 70. I was really good with her. Not so good with Dennis's favorite candidate, Mayor Pete. Love him. <laughs> My Lord, Pete Buttigieg is not a very big fan. He's too—he's he, too like he should be running in the Republican primary. Milo, anyway, uh, Pete Buttigieg. I uh, just teased Dennis. He's not really a Pete Buttigieg fan. And I didn't—you uh, know—and I'm not a doctor. No one calls me White Lightning. <laughs> uh, now, Bernie Sanders' list. Let's start with Bernie Sanders' list, okay? Uh, no, let's start with Joey Biden's list. All right. So here's how we're going to do this, uh, Joshua. I'm going to give you a song. Oh my gosh, I'm going to suck at this game. I don't think so. I think uh, you're—you—you'd uh, be a lot more knowledgeable than I. Uh, okay. Than you think, okay. and uh, and then tell me if you know the name of the song, and then if you don't, I will turn to Milo because he's our baby boomer and he should know the name of the song. So here we go. Uh, first song, "The Weight" by Aretha Franklin. "The Weight." Mm. Do I have to sing it, or do I have to know it? You actually know it. No, I well, probably if I heard it played, I'd probably. Yeah, what's the game it. here? Did yeah, you what say if you what, know you well, know the song? Okay, for instance, I'll give you an example of a song he knows. I'm bad with names and uh, High Hopes, Panic at the Disco. Do you know that, that song? That I do know. All right, now yes. we get it. So you yes. can like easily lie and say yes, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, but I know Aretha Franklin. Does okay. that I get fifty? Yes, points? that gets you uh, ten points. All yeah. right, Milo, tell educate this youngster about the weight. I believe it, that was originally uh, recorded by the band. That is correct. Okay. Ooh. And uh, uh, written by Robbie Robertson. That is correct. And the opening line is, I went down to no, Nazareth. No, uh, pulled, I pulled, oh, pulled, I pulled in. I pulled in. Naz- or Nazareth. Nazareth. Uh, I was feeling about uh, a half yeah, past ten. Yes, yes. <laughs> I know that song. Yeah. yeah that's a great song. Yeah. Looking right, for a place. all pre-show ideas by me before <laughs> yeah. we start. It's like looking for a place to hang my yeah, head. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. You do know that song. I just need a little help. Now, here's the interesting thing. Joe Biden loves that song so much that he has two versions of the song. Uh, (laughs) All right. Or else else he forgot that he had one version already. (laughs) (laughs) What? Uh, Now, this version, the only other person in the studio knows this version is Milo. I can guarantee you that. And this is a great version. A saxophone player uh, who died, I want to say, in the... Late 60s, maybe 1970. Uh, he died in the... He's been dead a while. King Curtis did the wait. You know that version, Milo? Uh, I don't know the version, but I know I know who King Curtis Tell is. Tell folks who King Curtis well, is. Well, he, he was uh, a, a East Coast musician and I, one of the first people that ever hired Jimi Hendrix, I think. Wow. That's My okay. Gosh. That's what marijuana will do for you, ladies and gentlemen. It's that long term memory. It's that long. Uh, Milo and I are the only one. King Curtis died, I want to say, in 67. He's a great saxophone player. And yes, I do believe that uh, Jimi Hendrix played with him. Mm-hmm. All right, so now uh, we'll flip the switch. We'll go to Pete Buttigieg's list. And uh, <laughs> this is a song. All right. Milo, do you know this song? Actually, Pete Buttigieg has got some old people's song on here. Pete Buttigieg has. Cut to the feeling. Do you know that song, Cut to the Feeling? Milo Samarja. Uh, no, I don't. Uh, Joshua, do you know? Who's <laughs> no. the artist? Uh, Carly Ray Jepsen. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know this. I don't know. Dennis? Hell it's, no. <laughs> it's not a, I don't know why you put that on there, but okay. But it's his song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, can you sing it for Not us? Call Me Maybe? 
No, I could not sing it. What about uh, High Hopes? Can you sing High Hopes? <laughs> I, I could, but I don't want to try. <laughs> I've never heard of I, High I don't hopes. like that. Milo, have you ever heard of High Hopes? Yeah, I think, yeah. I think Frank Sinatra did. No, that's a different. Oh, no, that's a boomer High Hopes. No. We're talking High Hopes. Yeah. Da, 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 da. That's the Frank Sinatra version. Yeah. <laughs> uh, High Hopes by a group yeah. called Panic at the Disco. Have you ever heard that group, Milo? Uh, no. Uh, not, a, not a huge fan. I believe Milo I, has. I may have heard him, but they didn't register. Uh, I believe Milo actually has a panic at the disco tattoo uh, on oh, his ankle. Oh, yeah. he showed that to me the other day. <laughs> I'm, I'm, that's right. On my butt. Uh, on his butt. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's the that's the song he, uh, he plays uh, as his walk-up song for 10 trivia points. Wow. Joshua. What's up? Believe it or not, uh-huh. another candidate in the race for president as a Democrat also had high hopes as a walk-up song. Name that candidate. In the current race. In the current race. And they're no longer in the race. I did not say that. Oh, did so this might be a trick question. It currently in the race. Okay. Not that Frank Sinatra high hopes. Yeah, yeah. But the uh, Panic at the Disco high hopes. Mm, Andrew Yang? Negatory. Klobuchar. Uh, uh, oh, no, no. Sorry, they don't I'm even have. I'm gonna throw out all of them. Uh, for what it's worth, they don't. I don't know if this is an editorial comment by the New York Times, but they don't have Andrew Yang or Klobuchar. Interesting. Julian Castro, uh, oh, and he surprising. got rid of it. Uh, I, I guess someone said, "Hey, mm. boss, uh, mm. you know, Buttigieg just got it. We need our own song." Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, uh, high hopes. I never heard it. All right, here's the Bernie Sanders yeah, list. Here we go. The the number one the song that he plays as he comes up on stage. Brooklyn Go Hard. You know that song, Milo? No. Dennis? No. The rap song? Yes. Very good. Uh, it's a Lil Wayne and Jay-Z. Uh, I will give you credit for half of that. Hang on. It's Lil Wayne. Nope. Oh, no. It's okay. Wait, wait. Brooklyn We Go Hard. Is it would Jay-Z and he, Swiss Beats? Uh, Jay-Z and Santa Gold. Oh, Santa Gold. Yeah. Yes, yes. All okay. right. Now, this is a song I've actually seen Milo dance to. That's on the Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Back in the day, Miles Samarja, they put this song on, and Miles like, I got to get up and dance. Disco Inferno. You know that oh, song? Of course. <laughs> Disco Inferno. Yeah, of course. Baby, baby. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, you're going to ruin my reputation. <laughs> yeah. Man, his dancing ruined his reputation. So far, Milo's got a tattoo on his ass. <laughs> he uh, <laughs> sings songs. That's great. And he got the Disco, Disco Inferno. Disco in, uh, infatuation. Uh, yeah. All right, so that's the song he plays. Right. And here we go. Uh, Runaway. But you, you know what? You get it, though, right? Burn, baby, burn. Bernie Sanders. Whoa. I knew he didn't get it. I knew he didn't get it. Mind blown. <laughs> get me the bong on that one. I did not. Right over my head. Milo, did you get it? Uh, no. Okay. You got to feel uh, the burn. Uh, you got to feel All the right. burn. All right. Another uh, song in the Bernie Sanders playlist, Runaway, You and I. Joshua, please. Runaway, You and I. Is, uh, is, hmm. I've never heard Rap it. Rap song? I have no idea. You're, Runaway, Dennis, You and you know I. It? Who's the artist? Galantis. I've never heard of Galantis. Anybody no. in this room heard of Galantis? The only runaway I know of is uh, uh, from the late 50s, I think. Del, Del Shannon. Del Shannon, yeah. Run, 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 run away. I think that's on Joe Biden's list. I'm just kidding. Uh, and, uh, There's a ludicrous song, Runaway. Uh, is there? Yeah. All right. And this song, Milo definitely knows. I, Milo and I are the only people in this room who know this song, America, by Simon and Garfunkel. Ooh. It was yeah, yeah, yeah. actually uh, Bernie used that in his um, campaign ads back in the day. 
My love, feel free to sing a snatch. <laughs> I, I, I know the song, but I, I refuse to sing it. <laughs> okay. It's a great song. Uh, <laughs> and uh, here we go. Uh Uprising by Muse. Anybody heard that song? Yeah, isn't that uh, there's like a there's like a slow build to it. It's like we will be victorious. I think is like the lyrics in it. I can't sing it. Sorry, oh. I'm not very helpful at this game. <laughs> uh, and then uh, finally, my I'll close with this one from Bernie Sanders. I love this song immensely. Let's see if our millennials have ever heard of it. Oh, no. Power to the people. Oh, by Public Enemy. Well, they, or, um, they, I think, riffed on it. Isn't that what that, uh, uh, the original okay. power to the people, Young Dennis? It's funny you say uh, if the millennials can, uh, <laughs> dude, they tuned out like 20 minutes ago. Uh, this is too old. That's John Lennon. Very good. John, oh, John Lennon. Power to the okay, okay. All right. And finally, I just go. Right. Two candidates have mm-hmm. the same song, Lovely Day. Lovely Which is, day. Yes. Lovely day. I lo- you, love, you like that song? A Lovely Day by Bill Withers, one That's of the great, great song. songs of all time. That's nice. Oh, That's my nice goodness. One. Dennis, would you sing Milo, it? Milo, you know the song. You yes, know. you do. Know it. Lovely day, lovely day. <laughs> lo- uh, they play at the bowling Just like that. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> Cory Booker has... Uh, Cory Booker's list is very similar to... Um, uh, you know, if I'd have known they had such terrible singers on this show, <laughs> I might have made yeah. some other plans. Uh, and, Not doing uh, any of these songs, Elizabeth Justice. Warren. Uh, I think we should uh, name this segment "We're Idiots." <laughs> <laughs> we're just singing and not knowing anything. Uh, but uh, we're a lot smarter than that. All right. Anyway, I want to thank <laughs> some uh, good songs. Joshua uh, Smizer De Leon for coming on the show. Thanks the immortal, the legend, uh, legendary Milo Samarja for coming on the show. At Lisa Solomon was here earlier today and of course the man the myth the legend and milo as you know back home in his native alton they call him white lightning dr d give yourself a raise take it out of petty cash have a safe and healthy happy new year's everybody see you on thursday and remember, you can download previous Ben Jaromsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast and you really need to download the top five Chicago and or Illinois stories. We're going to be recording it as soon as we get done here, and it will be available tonight at both Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader websites, wherever else you download your favorite podcasts. You know the deal. So check it out. We'll see you next year. It's been a great 2019. Correct.